Hey, New Life family, welcome to the weekly podcast. We want to take a moment to say thank you so much for listening. We hope this message encourages you and helps you in some way today move forward in your relationship with Christ and others. We pray God blesses you wherever you are today. Now enjoy the message. I am going to share with you some thoughts if you want to open your Bibles to the book of Judges chapter 6. This... I've, I've titled this The Spirit of Gideon, and it really was um, a, a jump off of what, we, what I had originally planned to speak on a couple of months ago on promises fulfilled, and this was going to kind of, the promises of fulfilled was going to set this up. As many as you know, um, the reason I delayed until this time of year to speak on this particular, the spirit of Gideon, and honestly, I'll probably revisit a little bit around the first of the year, because I believe that this is setting the tone for our 2023 year. Uh, I like to study and learn and glean from the Jewish people. I like to dig into Hebrew language. I don't always teach from that. I don't, I don't think some of it is relevant. I think because we live in the New Testament, there's certain things that we don't necessarily have to be structured by anymore. But I think it's good knowledge to have. And the knowledge of the old breaks forth revelation of the new. But I do want to just set the stage and... and like I told you last week, if I just spent time on, on the number 23 or 3, just go ahead and put up that first one, the, the Dalif. It's just the single one, or the Gamal, I mean. this In last week, the Hebrew calendar, as you know, that was their head of the year. That was their new year was last week, and they just finished up what's called the 10 days of all, which is about repentance. It's about allowing the spirit of repentance to come on and starting off the new year, and I'll just use informal language, starting off the year with a new slate, so to speak, because they don't believe, the the traditional Jewish people do not believe Jesus Christ as Messiah, they are still looking for Messiah. We know that Jesus is Messiah, and, and the, the person that they are looking for is the anti-Messiah, and he will show up one of these days, and they will declare him as Messiah, but the church will already be gone for a while, and we will come back with him, and then they will see Jesus as Messiah, but we can't get into all of that, but they just had celebrated their new year. Uh, as we are stepping into, we have three more, more months of this year, and then we're stepping into 2023. They just celebrated their new year, and they are now in the year of 5783. So for these uh, decades, we, we are transitioning at the same time with the same numerical numbers. And I believe that uh, even though necessarily God is not locked into a calendar and he's not locked into time like we know time, God does have patterns that he follows. And he does have, if you want to call it a, a better terminology, would be seasons, but not seasons like winter, fall, summer, spring, those kind of seasons. But there are spirit seasons or spirit cycles in which he follows. And uh 
the, the number three is the gamel, and you can see it up there. That is the Jewish Hebrew letter, and it means many things. That's why I didn't want to take one service and just talk about that because it literally would feel like I was giving you an educational class. But I do want to, before we dive back into this, because I believe it's pertinent to, to what we're dealing with today in the spirit of Gideon, uh, <clears throat> This Gamel letter, which, which represents, it, it represents a, a letter in the alphabet, but it also represents numbers, and so it represents the number three, and it means many different things. Earlier in the spring, getting ready to turn into the, the summer, I, I do a lot of walking, and as I walk, that's usually a lot of times when I'll just be praying in general. And as I was doing this one particular one, the Lord spoke to me, two specific phrases on this particular walk that I was walking on. And the one I'm not going to deal with, I, I've talked to the board about it, but he, he spoke this specific phrase. And then he spoke another specific phrase to me, and that was this. And he said, pray for the spirit of Gideon. And at the time, I wasn't studying about Gideon. I didn't think about Gideon. I can't even remember. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that's when I was diving into it. Remember when we talked about beholding Jesus and beholding him? I believe that's when that's what we was really studying and looking upon. And so when he spoke this to uh, ask for the spirit of Gideon, it caught me off guard in, in a good way, but I didn't understand it. I didn't have any full kind of revelation. And I just kept kind of quiet to myself, and I just began to uh, lean into that, read about Gideon a little bit more, just kind of do a little bit of research about Gideon, and then just kind of put it on the back burner, if I'm honest. I just kind of stored it away. And then as time got closer, oftentimes around the month of September, the end of October, or the end of August, the first of September, I really start leaning into because I know the Jewish New Year is coming up, and that's when I'll start really leaning into uh, personal consecration and things of that nature. And I start doing research about what does the New Year mean for the Jewish people? What are they? How are they looking at it? And so as I begin to dive into this and just and just hear what they are saying and believing, it, it means a lot of things, and, and I, I'll try to maybe take segments and minister parts of it. But <clears throat> put up the other slide, this Gamel here, anytime a letter uh, or a letter or a name or a phrase starts with something, it the Jewish people believe in the first mention, the law of first mention. And so when, when something is first mentioned, that sets the tone, if you will. And so whatever it means for that. So as in, in the Hebrew, it, you, it starts over here, and it, they read it backwards. So it starts on this side, and so that's that, that's that gamel. And this, this, what you're seeing up here, doesn't mean much to us in English, but this is actually the name Gideon written in Hebrew. And so it, it starts, his name starts with the Gamel letter. And if you were to dissect this name, Gideon, and I, I've, I've spoken to you about this before, that each Hebrew letter stands for a letter of the alphabet, but it also has a numerical value, and it also has a, a pictorial uh, look to it. In other words, back, back in the day, uh, kind of like, uh, it just slipped my mind. It, it's kind of like a, it, it's just like a picture. Uh, 
when, when you go into ancient grounds and, and you go into caves, you'll see a lot of times different historical people, they will draw things on, on the caves, and, and that calls, maybe, maybe Tom can uh, refresh my mind of what that's called, but it, it's a picture, and that's how they wrote. They wrote things out in picture form. And so that's why Hebrews, he, there you go, hieroglyphics. So it's hieroglyphic in nature. So it, it's, it has a numerical value. It has an, what we would call an alphabet to put the words together. But it is also hieroglyphic in nature that you can look at certain things and, and just have this imagery of this picture of what the person writing meant. So this, this is a Hebrew form of the word Gideon, and it starts with this letter Gamel. Let me pull this up on my phone because I, I jotted some notes for myself. So Gamel, is, which is this very first one on this, it would be this side over here. I'm looking at it from the opposite side. Gamel actually stands for, it, it, looks, it looks, the picture of it is a man walking, and I, I could decipher that to you, but I don't, I don't want to take the time to do that. It, it stands for one of the, one of the pictorial uh, lessons is a man walking. The, the next letter that you see is called a dollop, which means impoverished one. Or, or it could also mean humbly bent over. As you can see, he looks like he's bent. Impoverished one is, we would think of it as impoverished as in, I don't have money. That's not how they see the word impoverished. Impoverished means I don't have what I need to sustain my life. It doesn't have anything to do with money per se, although it could encompass that. But it, it means uh, humble. It, it means I'm, I'm, in other words, because he's been over, he, the man is pictured as a humble person. I'm not haughty in my spirit. I'm humble. I'm meek because I know I don't get my sustenance from myself. Therefore, I'm humble because my sustenance comes from somebody else. Who does it come from? It comes from the righteous one walking towards me. Are y'all following this? This is what the name Gideon means. The next letter you see there is what is called as the Hebrew letter ayin, which means to see or behold, to see or behold. The next one you see right there is called a vav, and it's just a connecting piece. In other words, it's taking these three letters and it's connecting it to the last letter because without that, everything would be separate. And the last one is called the noon, which is the, is the number 50, which represents this. It's a banner of signs, wonders, and miracles because that's what the number 50 stands for. It could also be labeled as breakthrough. So if you put all of these uh, together, it would mean this. The righteous one giving the humble one the ability to see the coming breakthrough. The righteous one giving the humble one the ability to see or behold the coming breakthrough. God started speaking to me back in April or May. Pray for the spirit of Gideon. I didn't understand it. I, I, I just I had to have faith that God knew what he was talking about. 
And then in August and September, when I started digging into the new year and the new meaning, all of a sudden this started coming about. And I was like, God, no wonder you was asking me to pray for the spirit of Gideon. But what does it even mean more than that? And there's other things that, that you can go down to, and I won't dig into this, but I will let you know this, that this word Gideon, it's part of the root word of Armageddon. So if I shot up to you the Hebrew word of God, Armageddon, you would see this as the root word with just a, a little bit more, a few more in there. And one of the things that the name Gideon means in context is it means to cut down or to cut away. To cut down or to cut away. To cut down, and if you if you gathered all of the context and just put it in just some just some normal everyday English that you and I would understand, is it would have the context of this. The purpose of cutting down is not to cut to harm, not to cut down an individual, but to cut down or cut away things that are non-essential. Now think about the account that you know about Gideon. Most of the time, if, if you've been in church at all and have heard the storyline of Gideon and how he fits into the storyline of the gospel, one of the, th one of the main things that you will always hear somebody talk about or preach about or teach about is the fact that he had this tremendous army that was about to go into battle because they were fighting for the Lord and God said, Gideon, this army that you have is too many. You have to cut them down. You have to cut them down numerically. In other words, they're all not positioned to go where I need them to go. Not that they don't have value in the kingdom, but for this specific war that you are about to engage in, I need people with clean hands and pure hearts. I need people that's not going to be distracted by everything else. That's why one of the requirements when it said, when the Spirit of the Lord spoke to Gideon said, any man that gets down on all and starts lapping up the water like the dog, because they had walked, they had walked a long way, and he had walked them to a riverbank, and the Lord said this. He said, anybody that kind of just kneels and cups the water and brings the water to his mouth, I have chosen them. In other words, they're thirsty for water, and they want the water, but they're not just going to lay face down and let all these other distractions happen. In other words, they're not just going to drink of the water one time and then just be distracted six days of the week. People that I'm looking for in the remnant is people that's going to bow their knee but they're, and they're thirsty, but they're going to bring the water to their mouth. And so his name, his purpose actually was part of his name, which is the cutting away of the non-essential. And so this new year that the Jewish people have already went into starts with the name Gideon because of the letter Gamel, which, is, which also is the number three. And it means the righteous one giving the humble one the ability to see the coming breakthrough. 
the coming breakthrough. I believe we are going to start seeing breakthrough. I believe that. as I believe it as a church, as an individual church. I believe it as the church at large. I believe it as individual people and individual families. You're going to start seeing breakthrough. What I want to caution you from is thinking how you think the breakthrough is going to come. Because if we get a preset in our mind of how God is going to break through, who God is going to use to break through, then we will actually miss the open door of the breakthrough. Because we will be so distracted. That's why it's so imperative in these last three months of our calendar as we get ready to step into a new year that we say, God, anything that is non-essential in my life, can you just start cutting it away? I lay it on the altar. Just cut it away, God. I'm tired of it draining my spirit. I'm tired of it draining my time. I'm tired of it draining my bank account. I'm tired of it draining just my emotions because God is raising up a church and a people that are spiritually stable, that are emotionally stable. God does not want his people to be so spiritually strong, but when you're not in the manifested presence of God, that you're emotionally weak. And for this last chunk of time, the enemy has hit God's people in emotional instability. It wasn't necessarily a fault of people. It was an attack of Satan. And it was an all-out attack. I've been training some of the young, the, the young leaders and, say, and letting them know different things like this. When you see things happen in multiples, when you see things such as whether it be people, all of a sudden, uh, many people that you know, specifically if they are believers, they start developing the same symptoms or they start getting uh, attacked in the same way. It might be affecting their physical body, and that part is real. But you can always rest assured that behind the physical part, there is a demonic strategic attack of the enemy. If all of a sudden several people that you know start getting migraines, and those migraines just are, are de uh, debilitating to them, understand this, the pain of the migraine is real, but behind the pain is a strategic attack from the enemy enemy to establish a stronghold against God's people. Why? Because we are still part of the decade of the pay, which means mouth, which means trumpet, which means God is wanting us to use our mouth like a trumpet. And if I am sick in my body, and if I am riddled in pain in my body, then it's going to be less likely that I use my mouth and my voice as a trumpet to trumpet the goodness and grace and miracles of God. Are y'all following me? So when you start to see things happen in multiples, and as a person that has many connections with just all kinds of different, uh, both churches and also just communities, just communities of believers, the one thing that I noticed over the last six, seven, eight years is an attack of the enemy on people's emotions they became emotionally unstable. Am I the only one that noticed? And the enemy found a way to get 
to the church. Several decades ago, when my parents were kind of coming up, the enemy's strategic tactic was finances. That's why everybody, how many, how many can go back to maybe your parents and you're like, I thought I was poor. No, they were poor. Maybe I didn't always have everything I wanted, but I look back on my parents. Listen, I live, I live like a queen compared to what my parents went through. I remember them. I, I remember we lived on cornflakes. I hate cornflakes to this day. I won't touch them. I'd rather fast. I'd rather go on a 10-day consecrated fast than to eat three flakes of cornflakes. I hate them. Why? Because my mom and dad were so poor, we was eating cornflakes for breakfast. We was eating corn, cornflakes and potatoes. And we thought it was a treat because we would eat cornflakes for supper because we didn't call it dinner back then. Some of y'all under 30 is like, what's she saying, supper? We called it supper back then. Y'all know what I'm saying. So we would eat cornflakes for supper because then it would feel different if you ate it at 7 o'clock at night versus 7 o'clock in the morning. You'd be like, ooh, this tastes better at night. And then my mom would make something with the potatoes in the morning, you know, and just by switching it up, it just tasted different. So the enemy's strategic tack in that day was impoverish them in their finances. If they don't have the finances, they can't build churches. If they don't have finances, they can't be of the prophets and the apostles of their day that are going to plant ministries. And then came along, there was other attacks. You can kind of see it about every decade or so or every couple of decades. There's a main attack of the enemy. And what I have seen in this last decade is one of the main attacks of the enemy has been to upheaval emotional instability of believers. Because if I, if I am unstable in my emotions, then it's hard for me to have faith in God by his word. Not that my faith is connected to my emotions. That is definitely not the case. But if I am struggling in, in the area of emotions and I'm battling oppression and I'm battling depression and I'm battling all these things of the mind and, and things in my emotions, it makes it that much more difficult to believe when I hear about the testimonies of God or read about God's word. If I'm insta in, in this instability vehicle over here, it is hard to be stable in my spirit over here. If you are emotionally drained all the time, it's hard to carry a certain level in the spirit. That's why when something happens in the natural that drains you emotionally, and then we come in here to a gathering, oftentimes you either don't feel like doing it, and, and if you ever get, get your spirit up a little bit, it takes a minute. It, it takes a minute. Have you ever went through like a death, and then you had to come to church and praise God? 
So in your heart, in your soul, like you're, you're grieving, but then your spirit comes in and all of a sudden, uh, that's why it's so important to come and gather together because not everybody is going through that. And so when I go through something that's grieving my soul and I get by somebody who is not grieving in their soul and they are able to have a spirit of faith and a spirit of Gideon, what we're talking about, and they raise their, then I am able to come under the banner of the spirit of breakthrough. Even though I may not be carrying it at that moment, I come under that spirit of breakthrough and my emotions are raw. I am unstable. It feels like Monday through Saturday. But I come in and I'm able to have some relief and some release just enough so that once that heaviness comes off my soul, now my spirit can come alive again and can, can just gain some momentum. And then it's like all of a sudden, now I'm hearing the word of the Lord. Now I'm feeling his presence. And when you hear the word of the Lord and his presence, guess what? That starts building faith. Amen. Now by faith, I can start declaring my mind is strong in the Lord. My spirit and my, and my soul go deep and is deeply rooted in him. Is it making sense what I'm saying? So when, when the Lord starts speaking to me about the spirit of Gideon, and he began to show me these different things about the righteous one running after the humble one in order that they might see or behold the coming breakthrough. I kid you not, two nights ago, my specific prayer was, God, what would it look like if you healed twins eye right in worship? What would it look like? And my second prayer was this, because we are a generation that although we are not sustained by signs and wonders, we are sustained by your word. We are a generation that need to see some of your signs and some of your wonder. Y'all, I'm going to get to judges. But I also, sometimes I think it's important for us to hear certain things. Two things I want to say quickly before I read my text. And I'll just give you pieces of this text. During worship, I have only heard this one other time, and it was when I was in Arizona. And Tim will know exactly what I'm talking about because it was just him and I. During worship, there came a point in time when everybody, lady had quit singing, but she was just praising, but she wasn't singing lyrics. The music was going, and everybody was just singing whatever they were singing with their voice. And I even turned my ear like this because I very distinctly, and I looked around just to make sure, but there was for about maybe two seconds, maybe three seconds, it wasn't very long, I had to turn my ear like this because the sound coming up out of this place had the hint of a sound of a ram's horn, of a shofar. I have one back there, and if I blew it, it would sound just like that. 
I've only heard that one other time, and that was when Tim and I, Pastor Tim and I, when we was in a, a pastor's conference in Arizona last year. And I, as we was worshiping, I heard that same sound, and I looked up, and I, I can't, I, I cannot lie. I was, I, in my mind, as I looked up, I was like, who's the crazy that's disrupting service by blowing a shofar right now. Because, really, I mean, everybody was pressing in. It was just like God had invaded the building. And I heard that this morning, which tells me God is wanting to bring not only the spirit of revival, but a spirit of Gideon. Spirit of Gideon. The other thing I want to just quickly remind you of is several months ago, if you will remember, I told you about a prophet of God who had a vision, and in the vision, he seen a baseball coming straight at him full force, and the baseball was coming unraveled, and right before it got to him, the out, outward parts of the baseball came, and all you could see was the core of the baseball, and he, he, he fully admitted, he's like, I don't have visions, I'm not one that dreams dreams, so that this was a shock to me, and it was quick, and he's, he had to, he went into a period of fasting so that God could bring the revelation when the fasting period was over he felt like God showed him the revelation that and this this would have been last year last uh, I mean not it would have been earlier this year it, it was like right at the beginning of summer sometime right around in there and he said I God said this that I'm going to rapidly begin to unravel what the world has known as my body or my church and the unraveling is going to reveal what the real core is. And he went on to say that there is going to be political leaders and spiritual leaders and different people that have a large stage, meaning, meaning a large influence. And you're going to start seeing them come off of that stage for whatever reason. He's like, I, I'm not trying to say that they're going to die, but they are going to be removed from that stage and and new faces that have God's heart are going to start coming up on that stage. And it affected both the political stage and the religious stage. Uh, I was, Tommy and I was talking about this, and maybe a couple of others. Sometimes I forget who I have conversations with. But within a couple of months of that, it was like all of a sudden, this political leader resigned. This political leader got assassinated. This political leader set, stepped down. This political uh, leader got voted out. And it was just like, do you remember that, Tom? It was just like, boom, boom, boom. Within a six period of time, you have seven different countries that have completely different leadership now. And then it was shortly after that, as we started now entering into the fall season, you're starting to see the same thing now happen. It's being mimicked in the religious realm. Different pastors, different praise and worship leaders, different people who have large stages or large influences, they are starting to get brought off of that for whatever reason, which tells me this, God is bringing up people anointed to be Gideons of this hour. People that can hear his voice in the private. That I, I, was, I was talking to Tim, and, and I said this kind of in jest, but there, there, was a, there was a part of me that meant it to my core, that you have leaders in the, in the entertainment world that profess to be Christians. You have, you have 
whether they sing praise and worship or whether they just sing quote-unquote Christian music, I said they're singing about a person that they themselves do not know. And so when the money is gone, they, you, you'll hear about it oftentimes. All of a sudden, this person had a long career in Christian music, and then all of a sudden, now they're an atheist. Or this person, you know, for this amount of time, they was doing good, and then all of a sudden, they, they've, they're deconstructing now. What has happened? When the money ran out, it ran out because they were singing about a person that they did not know. But I'm glad, and I'm, if I get to this verse in Jeremiah that says, I knew you when you was being formed in your womb. I knew who you were when you was being formed in your womb. And that's why we can be solid in who we are in God. Because even though you may feel like you are insecure in yourself, because God knew you before you was even formed, he knew who you were. Then as he was forming you, he equipped you with everything that you would need because he knew you before you was ever formed. God knew me, who I was, before I was ever formed in my mom's womb. He knew who I was. And because he knew who I was, as he is forming me, put everything in me that I would need to complete the assignment that God has marked for my life. Because he equipped me with everything I need, but because he knew me before I was even had two arms and two legs. That's why, and I think I said this last week, that's why some of the things that's happening nowadays is demonically inspired, and it's not just sin. There are some things that are just sin because they're morally corrupt. There are some things that are just carnal because they're just not holy or they're just uh, unrighteous. They're just a carnal thing. So you have sin that's just immoral and just it's just not right. And then you have some things that are carnal because they're just not the holiest things. They're just not righteous things. But then there are some things that are demonically inspired. And anytime you get a person that is confused in their mind and confused in their heart and thinks you have to have different parts and different things, you are automatically coming against that God knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. See, we don't think oftentimes like that. It says this, verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. The reason he was there was to keep it from the Midianites because the Midianites and the Amalekites would come together and they would steal all the harvest, all the grapes, all the camels, all the donkeys, everything. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. (laughs) I love Gideon's response. Pardon me, my Lord, as if I, I think you got the wrong person. You stopped at the wrong church. (laughs) 
But if the look, and I love Gideon's response here because to me it's, it's the epitome question of the generation that we live in today. If the Lord is with us, look, because the angel of the Lord said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's saying, the Lord is with you, and he called him a mighty warrior. Gideon said, I think you got the wrong person. Because, here's why I think you got the wrong person. If the Lord is truly with us, if the Lord is truly with me, why am I going through everything I'm going through? This conversation I have on a monthly basis with somebody. If God is God, then why am I going through what I'm going through? If God is the God of the Bible and he has spoken all these things and his word is infallible, why am I going through everything that I'm going through? Sometimes there are processes in which as a believer, God will take us through to refine our faith, to refine our hearing, to refine our seeing. He is the righteous one running to the humble one. That humble one or that impoverished of spirit, like I said before, doesn't mean impoverished in a natural financial way. It means means somewhere in your soul you have now bent over and you are saying, Oh, God, if you don't help me, we are not going to make it. You are impoverished in spirit or you are humble in spirit. In other words, you are acknowledging that we don't have what it takes to build a church. We don't have what it takes to come up against uh, the, the, and the satanic things that are in the atmosphere. We don't have what it takes, but oh God. So there's a depth cry that comes from you. It's that cry that Hannah prayed. It's that depth guttural cry that it was the loudest prayer ever prayed in the history that, and she spoke not one word. The loudest prayer ever prayed in the Bible came from a girl named Hannah and she didn't say one English word or one Aramaic word. She was just, oh, So her cry came from deep. That means that's what it means to be impoverished before the Lord. There's a cry coming out of you that says, God, if you don't do something, my family's not going to make it. If you don't do something, church as we know it is not going to. God, if you don't do something, America as we know it is, it's time for the church to be impoverished in spirit again and bend ourselves over and begin to cry out to the Lord. He says, God, if you are with us, then why? Are we having to go through everything? So there will be times when God tests your faith and tries your faith. There will be times when God will use your enemy to get your attention. And we don't know what to do with scriptures like that. (laughs) Because in our day and age, we don't feel like God would ever do that. And it's not that he necessarily does it. He just says, all right. And he will kind of, 
he never loses control, but sometimes he will let you have your free will. And so I've heard people say, God didn't allow me to experience A, B, C, and so I'm done with God. And then they go and they're whatever. They're over here doing their thing. And all of a sudden, they look up and they have the Amalekites coming at them this way. And they have the Canaanites coming at them this way. And they have the Midianites coming at them this way. And they're looking around and they're all by themselves. Are y'all following me? I'm in the text. I'm just putting it in our culture. Looking around. And we're saying, God, why? Why? But what we forget is there was text before this. And the text before this is the Israelites took up idols and and worshipped idols outside of Jehovah. So you have Israelites whom came from people that got delivered by the hand of Moses through the Red Sea, their great-grandparents walked through the wilderness, seen all the signs and wonders that we read about in the book of Exodus, and then, then you have a generation that actually took the promised land, gained access to the promised land, was walking in land of milk and honey. Ev- almost every battle that they came against, except for a few here and there, they, they defeated them and gained access to that. But now you get to the grandkids and the great-grandkids. The Bible would call it the children's children. From those that got delivered and seen all the signs and wonders and miracles. And part of the problem is they've deviated from the worship of Jehovah only. And they have become all inclusive. I'm just using our, are y'all following me? Several generations of the Israelites There is no other God but Jehovah, and in him alone will we worship. And then as you get further and further removed from that great revival of the tent meeting in the wilderness, now they have their own cities. Now they have their own governments. Now they have things pretty easy. But the only thing is, is in the land of milk and honey, when everything seems to be flowing easily for them, it is also easy to allow your ear and your heart to be influenced by the outside culture as we don't care if you serve your God. Just allow us to serve our God. And don't condemn us for serving and bowing down to an Asherah pole and building. And they said, okay, we want to live at peace. Y'all are quiet in here this morning. And so you have this young man named Gideon who has had a grandma who has told him, who Gideon? If you could have seen what it was like in my day, 
if you could have seen, because I remember, I was just a, I was just a small girl, but I remember my mom and dad, they were part of the ones that they was following Moses, and they seen the fire cloud by night, and they seen the pillar cloud. I remember parts of me. This would be Gideon's grandma. I remember parts of me. My mom would tell me to go out and pick up this stuff. I didn't even know what it was, but somehow it was, we called it manna because we didn't know what else to call it. And she was able to bring it in. And we never went without food because God was Jehovah and he was a provider. We never had our, my grandmother never had to make me new clothes because no matter how much I grew, my clothes grew with me. My shoes never worn out. And so Gideon, because of his grandmother, has heard about this. Oh, we had people trying to come up from behind us, and they would try to take out the elderly. But God, in his fire, would zoom around, and he would knock them all flat. We had a praise and worship leader that had a tambourine in her hand, and she would get before the company, and she would begin to shake her tambourine, and she would lead us all in with worship and with dance, and the glory of the Lord would begin to fill the temple until we couldn't stand. This would be the type of thing that Gideon's grandmother would have been telling him. He would have grown up with these knowledge and these stories of the hand of God and the move of God. But he himself had not seen it. He had only heard of it back in the day. And I believe I told you last week that we live in a generation that they question, is Jehovah God really real? Because I've heard about some things, but I have yet to see them. I've heard about God being God and all these uh, miracle signs and wonders and healings, but I haven't seen them. I've heard my grandmother. I've heard my pastor. I've heard elders in the church. I've heard it, but I just haven't seen it. God said, start praying for the spirit of Gideon. Because when the spirit of Gideon comes upon a company of people, that means it is time that the Holy Spirit, through the personhood of who he is, is going to come and sit down and he's going to start talking to some of these young men and women. Gideon says, Oh Lord, if you are indeed with us, then why has all this happened to us? Where are the miracles that I've heard about? Where is all the miracles that I, I have read in books about? Where Keep that, keep that, uh, put, Tanner, keep that up there. I need to read it from there. Where is all these things and where are the miracles where my father told me about? I heard my grandmother speaking of all this, but I'm asking you today, God, I'm in the middle of these armies and they're coming against me. And every time I get some fruit, they're coming and raiding my crops. Every time I'm, I'm tilling the ground, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I believe you are God, but the only problem is, is as a nation, as a whole, they still believed in God in thought, but they were bowing their knee to something else. Oh, if this isn't the church of America today, that in thought 
and in ideology. We still believe in being a Christian. We still believe that Jesus is Jesus. And yet when we leave the doors on Sunday, we are bowing our knees to Netflix. We are bowing our knee to movies. We are bowing our knee to every other distractive, non-essential thing. And then we say, where is the God that I hear about back in the 50s? Where is the God that I hear about back in the 80s? If God is God, why am I going through this? There's two camps. One, God will always send his word. Because if you read up before this, it says, and God sent Israel a prophet. Doesn't name the prophet. He just says, and God sent him a prophet, which means he sent his word. He let his word be known and he vocalized the word of the Lord, but it did not prick their heart. And God will always send his word. But if the church is too carnal to hear it, If the, the most dominant saying of Jesus himself when he was on this earth and in the book of Revelation is for those that have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. God will always send his word through a message, through a tongue and interpretation, through a word of knowledge, through the actual written word of God as you are devotionally reading it, God will always send his word. But if we, his people, are too carnal to hear it, then God will oftentimes use our enemies through our circumstances to get our attention. It plays out over and over and over in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament. So when I hear people say, well, if God is God, Pastor Amika, then why? And they'll list, they have a scroll. Why? And because I'm nice, I don't always... Bring up the obvious. But when you read about stuff like this in the Old Testament, God sent his word. Why? Gideon said, if you're really with us, why are we doing all this? But the prophet already told him. Because you say with me I'm your God, but your heart is far from me. So how do you apply that to our, our day and age? Well, my friend, although I love you and God loves you, you forgot that you made choices back here that negated. <laughs> I'm trying to be very mindful of what I'm saying. That negated the very word that God said for you to do. So God said, go this way. You took your will and went this way. 
And now you look up and you see the Amalekites and the Midianites and the Canaanites, and you're saying, God, if you are God. That's what Gideon was doing. God, if you're the God of my grandmother, then why is all this? And God had to be like, you remember that prophet I sent? I told you why. And if you would have repented back here, everything would have lined back up. Look at this. Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? He is talking to one person here, Gideon. Have I not sent you? Which tells me one thing. At some point in this young man's life, I call him a young man. At some point in this young Gideon man's life, he had to know the hand of the Lord was upon him. Somewhere, he had to feel the presence of God. He had to know he was marked because God is reminding him, have I not sent you? And here you are hiding out in a wine press. So he said to him, verse 15, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man, the righteous one running to the humble one so that he may behold or see the coming breakthrough. That's what Gideon's name means. So every time anybody uttered his name off of their lips and said, Gideon, what they were saying was, the righteous one is coming to the humble one in order for that they may behold and see the coming breakthrough. Then he said to him, I, if I now have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that is you who talk with me. And do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you. At, look, and bring my offering and set it before you. And he said, this is the Lord. This is the angel of the Lord. And we find out later, we, we don't have time to read it all, but we find out later that it was the very presence of the Lord because Gideon falls down and says, oh, because he was afraid he was about to die. Because he's like, I have seen the hand of the Lord. And the Lord has to speak to him through the fire and say, fear not, Gideon, for I have not come to, to smite you. This was the presence of the Lord speaking to him directly. Do n- so Gideon is saying, don't depart from here. I'm going to go get my offering, and I'm going to bring it back, and I'm set it before you. And the angel of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, I love this. I will wait for you till you get back. In other words, when you offer praises to me, when you offer your offerings to me, it is so worth it to me that I'm willing to wait for you. And then if you keep reading, if you keep reading on, 
it says, so Gideon went and prepared a young goat and, and bread from some flour and some wheat. Hold on a minute. We just read in the text earlier that the Midianites and the Amalekites had taken all the grapes, had taken all the camels, had taken all the goats, had taken all the harvest. That's the whole reason he was in the wine press in the first place, threshing wheat. Because if he didn't hide it, then they would have taken it. Oh, if the American church, I feel like we, we feel like we have had to hide the blessings of God. Because if I display the blessings of God, then people who are my enemies is going to come and take it. And we have become comfortable with hiding the blessings of God. And we have hid them in a place called the wine press. The wine press was deep. If you were standing in it, it would be over your head. And he's in there with wheat, and he's threshing the wheat in a place you're not supposed to. You're supposed to have grapes in there making wine. And the, the reason he's able to keep the wheat in there is because now they are in the seventh year of this cycle of the, of the Midianites and the Amalekites and even some of the Canaanites coming in and taking the harvest so that when they are in there, they don't even bother looking in the wine press. Because for seven years, they've had this cycle of stripping the people of God from the blessings of God. So now, God is using the Amalekites, he's using the Canaanites, and he's using the Midianites. But God is no longer using the Israelites whom he chose. Let that sink in. Jehovah is using the Midianites, the Amalekites, and some Canaanites to get the attention of the people he chose to be his people because they have got so carnal that when he sent his word, they did not hear it. Are y'all hearing me today? And so you have this young man, Gideon, who's threshing wheat and he's able to keep the wheat because he has it in the wine press. Because the enemy has gotten so used to God's people not having wine that they didn't even bother looking in the wine press. Wine is always a symbolization of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the enemy or the world or carnal people or unchurched people have gotten so used to, in our culture, the church not having the wine that they quit even looking toward the people of God to have what they say they're carrying, which is new wine. Y'all are quiet. That's how he's even able to thresh the wheat. But he has enough wheat And he has at least one goat that somehow he's been able to protect it. He's been able to hide it. He's been by himself. He's just been 
protecting the wheat. Oh, I thank God for a generation. I've been talking kind of to the younger generation, but let me switch to us older folks in here. Thank God for a generation that when the enemy was cycling in and cycling in and cycling in and stripping away and stripping away, thank God we had some moms and dads and some grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles that kept some of the wheat protected, that kept some of the sacrifice protected. Because had not Gideon had some wheat and at least one goat, he would have never had an offering to give when the presence of the Lord showed up. So he's in the wine press, and it says the angel of the Lord came. Where did he sit? He sat on the edge of the wine press. The angel of the Lord, the Spirit of God, sat in the empty wine press. But there was one man in there threshing wheat. I'm telling you, it just takes one person hiding himself away. And God will show up even in an empty wine press. Don't tell me God is not gracious. Don't tell me God is not good. I have been in places in my life where I felt like I was in that walled city and there was no wine inside of me. But thank God the Spirit of the Lord came and sat and rested and said, Amika, if you will but look to me again, I'll bring wine back which is always a representation of a flow of the Spirit, a moving or the wind of God. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to feel the wind of the Spirit blowing even before we get to a new year. God is raising up another generation of young people that's going to have the Spirit of Gideon about them. They're not just going to go on a testimony of their grandmother, but they're going to say, I was in the service when somebody named Twin got their eye healed. I can tell you, I was in a service at a place called The Ramp when I felt the Spirit of God moving like I had never felt before. And all of a sudden, um, there's just thousands of young people. And I just happened to, because I heard this roar happening. And all of a sudden, I looked up. And the only thing I saw was a wheelchair being surfed through the audience. You remember that? You know why? Like, I might falter, but my faith in God cannot be shaken. You can't tell me that God, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fall down. But you will never be able to dissuade me that God is a miracle-working God. Why? Because I was there when I seen it pass through. That's why we need a generation that are not sustained by signs, wonders, and miracles, but they definitely need to witness that God is who he says he is. Goodness gracious. I just happened to look at the time. That's why I said that. Gideon, if you read the full context, 
as he's in the wine press. Let me make this point. I believe this is a slide, Tanner. As he's in this wine press, know this. The wine press is always a place of transition. It's always a place of transition. So when you are in a wine press and it feels like, oh, there's no moving of the spirit, there's no grapes, there's no wine, just know you're in a place of transition. And Gideon was in a place of transition. And he was in there threshing wheat. Let me tell you this, and then we'll be done. Go ahead and get some music ready because I'm pretty sure Lacey, if she has to play two more notes, is going to birth that baby right here. (laughs) He's in there threshing wheat because he looked at himself as the least of all his people, the least of his tribe, the least of his family. He's in there threshing wheat because Gideon only seen himself as a farmer. He was growing wheat, thus a farmer. But when the presence of the Lord shows up and sits down in there, he calls him Gideon by name, but he doesn't say farmer. Put up that scripture one more time, Tanner, at the beginning where the presence of the Lord shows up. angel of the Lord came and sat. Go to the next one. There you go. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you. Look, you mighty man of valor. In other words, he was calling him a warrior. You mighty warrior. Gideon only seen himself as a farmer. That's why he said, God, you got the wrong person. I am not a warmer. I, I am not a warrior. I am a farmer. I don't have a spear. I have a shear. I don't have a sword and a spear. I have a shear because I'm a farmer. I cut wheat. I thresh wheat. I'm a farmer. God said, nope. The farming and the cutting down wheat has just been in preparation for what I've really assigned for you to do. You've been cutting down wheat. Now I want you to cut down things in the spirit. You've been cutting things in the natural by cutting wheat and separating the shaft from the fruit of the wheat. But now I want you to start to do that in the spirit. I want you to start to separate the unholy from the holy. Now I want you to start rightly dividing the word of truth. I can't go into all this, but one of the things that the name Gideon means and the Dolph means is the separation where truth comes out, where it's a true teaching. And I believe God is doing that in this day and hour where he is weeding out all the false teaching and all the heresy, and all you're seeing that. It start, it, it's not holding. It held for a while. It gathered for a while. But God, what is God doing? He's threshing apart in the spirit. All that, all that that was man-made. 
just reminded me of this scripture. I'm closing with this scripture. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Let me show you this. I don't know if you guys can pull it up back there in the back. Can you pull up Hebrews chapter 12 real quick? Verse verse 20. uh, Go to verse 25, and I'll just read down. Look what it says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. They're talking about God here. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, which more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? It's talking about God speaking from heaven. Whose voice then, look, his voice shook the heaven. But now he has promised saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Verse 27, now this yet once more or once again indicates the removal of those things which are being shaken as of things that are made. Another version says things that have been created, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. In that verse 27 there where it says, and now this yet once more, the removal of things that are being shaken as of things that are being made or being created, if it says that, that there's a Greek word in there, peo, which means to make or it means to create things. The, the Latin version of that word is, is to manufacture. The Latin, it comes from two words. I, I have this directly written in my Bible, manu and factora, which means this, uh, made with human hands or man-made. What is God saying here? He's not shaken for the sake of shaking. He is going to start shaking manufactured things. He's going to start shaking man-made things. And only God-created things will be those things that remain. And when you have a man-made security of false religion, then when the shaking happens, you shake with it. But when your heart is stable, and you're rooted in the word of God, it doesn't matter how much is shaking is going on. You can stand the test of the shaking because it is not manufactured. It is God breathed. Bow your heads with me, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, there is so much more left in this text. Holy Spirit, there is so much more that you are showing and shining a light on. But God, we as humans, we we can only handle so much. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would hover over your word this week, hide it in our hearts. God, as we sit before you this week, while we're maybe in our cars, maybe while we're walking, God, as we're just sitting and having devotion time with you, 
God, in the physical, we may just be enjoying some coffee, but in our mind and our spirit, we're thinking upon you. Speak to us. Speak to us, God. God, that these areas that have been unstable, that some of us, God, I, I know it because I've experienced even in myself this, just this unstableness, even in, in my emotions, God. But in you, there is stability. And you are coming in with your spirit and you're setting and you're resting right on those things. God, help us through your word to cut away all the non-essential things. That our heart and our life would be pleasing to you. That you would raise up a generation of people out of this church, God. And I believe that you are doing it and you are going to continue to do it. I see the fruit of it. God, I see the fruit of the prophecy that you spoke through Dr. Joyce. I see the fruit of, of the utterances by the Holy Spirit, even in, in just casual conversations that has been uttered by people that have no idea what is happening here. God, I, I, I'm a witness to it. And I just want you to continue to make us aware. God, make us aware of what you are doing. Make us aware of why you are doing it so that we will come into alignment. That in this day and age, in this year of 2022, when there's so much other things going on, God, that our heart could be easily divided and easily persuaded but that as sheep of your fold, our ears can only be moved by your voice. Let us hear you and respond quickly with obedience. God, let us, even though our minds may not understand everything about having the spirit of Gideon, but that we would begin to lean into that and that you would begin to unveil to us, even in other chapters of the Bible, God, that you would begin to bring things into our spirit. Show us, God, that you are holy and you are mighty. And God, I just want to take one more time to say thank you for the healing touch on our friend twin. God, thank you. I, I don't want that to just be another thing. I want to make a big deal of when you move because that gives me hope that you are going to move on others just like you moved on her. God, our hearts are wide open and our ears are wide open to respond and hear in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Tim, do you have anything that you would like to? I want to encourage you this week to just lean in. Lean into that. Get the... the the whole account of Gideon is only a couple of chapters. Read that a little bit. Get a, get a Bible version that is that is easily for you to understand. Begin to read into that. Ask Holy Spirit. He'll show you things that He hasn't even showed me. He'll He'll bring things about to you in in your spirit and your mind. Pastor Tim and I love you guys. We want you to have a great week. 
If you need any special prayers, always, we will always be glad to pray with you and, and talk with you. But, but have a great week.